Good morning. Welcome to Wake the F Up on 101.5 UMFM. We air on Thursdays, 11 to 11.30. My name is Christina. I use pronouns she, her. And my name is Karan, and I use he, him pronouns. And today we have a very special guest with us, our good friend. Hey. It's Salima. <laughs> she my boo thing. Hey, boo. <laughs> my name is Salima, and my pronouns are her, she. The UMFM 101.5 broadcasts at 1200 watts from the University of Manitoba, located on Treaty 1 territory, the original lands of Anishinaabe, Nihayawak, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. Thanks, Karan. So, it continues to be a very eventful few weeks here on campus, and I'd say we've, we've had this question on our minds, and we kind of wanted to talk about it a little bit today. So, basically, how careful should we as left-wingers be of, with our ideology, with our tactics of, quote-unquote, provoking the right-wingers? And this is a bit of an ambiguous question, like when you speak, the wording you choose. For example, when we were in the Art Student Body Council meeting and we were talking about how we should phrase our motion for the reproductive autonomy stance, when we said we want to fight anti-choice ideology, it was even called into question that we were using that word because it sounds combative. And it's little stuff like that. So It's, it's really hard because... I see value in both sides of this argument, and I don't really want to sound like someone (laughs) special sitting in the White House right now, but I I do see value in both stances. And Christina, thank you for enlightening me on the other side of it, because a couple days ago, I was sitting in on a faculty of arts standing committee that is called Equity, Diversity and Human Rights, and I am the student representative on it. So I'm sitting with all these faculty members, and we were talking about the terms of references, et cetera, et cetera. And then the dean of the faculty of art said how it's been a very trying week for racialized students. It's been extremely hard, especially on indigenous students, because everything that could have went wrong went wrong. And it was really tough for them. And when the committee meeting proceeded, I, I raised that question again and I asked, so what are we going to do about this? Because clearly this is a huge problem and students are not feeling supported. And I can say that as a student because I don't feel supported at all. I feel like suddenly it has fallen upon me just because I am very politically outspoken that it has fallen upon me to explain to right wingers and alt right think tanks, people who identify with those, why those posters were not okay. Suddenly it's my job, even though it shouldn't be, because I come here to study, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to get my degree, but now all of this is upon me. So we talked about it, and I brought up a few ideas where volunteer professors from various departments across the Faculty of Arts should have pop-up lectures on why this is not okay. Yeah. And I thought at the time, at least, that there was a lot of value in having things like that. So that just it's, it's not just students that have to suddenly fend for themselves and be like, well, here's why it's not OK. Then one of the faculty members who sits on the committee gave me some powerful insight, which I'm still kind of OK with. And 
I don't know. My mind might change after this uh, episode and this conversation. But she said to me that, you know, you have to be careful when you think about alt-right think tanks. Because is this what they want? Is this something that they deem to be an overreaction from the left, which kind of gives them platforms and spaces to occupy and then they suddenly form a community that we enabled. And I totally don't stand behind these concepts of enabler and victim blaming and all that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for listeners, you probably already know my stances on mm-hmm. all of these issues. <laughs> but, you know, it just gave me insight because at this point, we know what the alt-right is. We know what all these think tanks are capable of. We know that all they're looking for is an overreaction because they explicitly state that. The Reddit forum 4chan, who was behind the poster plastering on the night of Halloween, that's what they wanted. Mm -hmm. They said that this was a prank that they played every Halloween so that they wouldn't get caught. And like sending it to the Women's and Gender Studies Department and the Native Studies Department saying sent by a white man, which is a white man. (laughs) They they clearly don't think anything of these things. Oh, they, absolutely They not. have n- no regard to the context of it. No. And we know that by now. Yeah. So we know that sometimes what they're looking for is overreactions. What they, well, I don't think that what we do in retaliation is an overreaction at all. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But we know that that's what they want. Mm-hmm. And that's what she said to me. That She said that should we be having these forums? Should we be having these platforms to... Enable them to have a community. Of course, I don't think that that's true, that we are enabling them or anything like that. And that we shouldn't police ourselves just because what if what the right wing does is more detrimental? You know, I I don't believe in that. But if we know that that's something that they are after, Mm -hmm. should we be approaching this a different way? Right. So the way that I would respond to this, definitely, definitely, definitely always remember the bigger picture and the bigger picture is that the oppressors the people in power the people with money the right wingers usually are the ones who are actively creating perpetuating and enforcing this this culture that oppresses marginalized people so that's the big picture that i'm remembering here and then when i see stuff like you know they want a reaction out of us well to me that's just an example of gaslighting That's like if there's two siblings and the older and stronger one punches the younger in the face and then puts their finger on the younger one's forehead and the younger one swats at them, can't reach them, can't do anything back. Then the older sibling says, oh, you're overreacting. Why are you so violent? The blame is inappropriately being centered on the victim in this situation. Without the context of the actions of the older and more powerful, it makes it seem like the the younger is overreacting. So that's how I see this situation. You know, I think that absolutely we should always be peaceful and we should always conduct ourselves in an educated way. We should be strategic and we should be thoughtful. Right. Um, and I don't think it's an overreaction to these posters because of course. they make it, of course, yeah, yeah. Um, they make it seem like it's an overreaction because they're like, oh, well, it's okay to be mm-hmm. white. But the thing is, words mean nothing without context. And I'm not even going to go into that because it's so, <laughs> it's just so remarkably obvious to me. And I think yeah. everyone here, you know, why those posters were problematic. Um, but that's that's just an example of gaslighting from them. And it doesn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what we do, whether we're overreacting or not, what's that going to contribute to how this turns out at the end of the day? This is just yeah. another of thousands and thousands of examples mm-hmm. of 
instances where they just contribute to the unsettling of the personhood of anyone who is marginalized. Mm. Yeah. So to me, that's that's kind of what I think of that. Yeah. What do you think, Salima? Well, personally, I think that you both brought up really good points. Like, they do want us to overreact. And I think, like, we actually do have to react to it because if not, if doing nothing enables them to keep doing all this thing they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. It gives them, like, a platform to bring out their mandate and whatever. But how to react is what we should be looking at because that's how that's what really impacts society right how do you change these things what methods are you going to use so and one thing that i think is important is educating like just getting people to know that yes there are these things going on they may be good they may be bad but whatever is happening you just need to understand that the best way to come about is finding a common ground where both sides of you know the spectrum have like I wouldn't say an understanding because I don't see myself understanding an alt right. <laughs> I don't know how that like I I I've tried but it's so hard. At the same time like I respect their position. They may have reasons why they they believe whatever they're doing is right, but as long as it doesn't really affect other people or it doesn't like marginalized communities is what really matters, right? So yeah. That's right. It is very exhausting because Last week, I talked about how my coworker tried to talk to me and, you know, they still have these notions about me that, oh, typical SJW mentality, blah, blah, blah. And I know and I know this about them. So for me to understand them and say, yeah, you know what? I totally understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can't stand complicit to that. No. It's impossible for me. And it's exhausting. Like, it always falls on us to be the bigger person. That's what I'm seeing here. Like, it's always up to us. And, like, for the example of the Kavanaugh case, like, this guy was freaking out. And, you know, he's like, blah, blah, blah. I'm being accused of whatever, whatever he was saying. And reverse sexism. I don't even know what he was saying. But basically, like, he was absolutely freaking out. But then that's excusable. So, in sum, how I would describe it is, yes, we should be, but we should also be similarly encouraging and holding right-wingers to the expectation that they should also be the bigger person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, it's a really interesting point that you brought up about the common ground, Salima. There's this really interesting article that I found recently that really affects my understanding of this. So, it's called, There's Nothing Virtuous About Finding Common Ground. It's by Tayari Jones. It was written on October 25th this year, 2018, on Time Magazine Online. So they say, We are in a political moment where we find ourselves on opposite sides of what feels like an unbreachable gulf. I find myself annoyed by the hand-wringing about how we need to find common ground. People ask how might we meet in the middle, as though this represents a safe, neutral, and civilized space. This American fetishization of the moral middle is a misguided and dangerous cultural impulse. The middle is a point equidistance from two poles. That's it. There's nothing inherently virtuous about being neither here nor there. Buried in this is a false equivalency of ideas, what you might call the good people on both sides phenomenon. When we revisit our shameful past, ask yourself, where was the middle? Rather than chattel slavery, perhaps we could agree on a nice program of indentured servitude. 
Instead of subjecting Japanese-American citizens to indefinite detention during World War II, what if we had agreed to give them actual sentences and perhaps provided a receipt for them to reclaim their things when they were released? What is halfway between moral and immoral? When we revisit our shameful past, ask yourself, where was the middle? So that's really interesting to me. So of course there's value in finding common ground. As you were saying, I absolutely agree with that. But I guess what this is really highlighting is that fixating that on f- and focusing on that too much without mm-hmm. additionally holding the oppressor accountable mm-hmm. is, I think, where the problem really lies. Yes, that's definitely true because a lot of the times, like you said, we're the ones viewed as the, you know, the ones overreacting. So we are the ones that have to, like, kind of look at the other side and try to you know, give them their, lack of a better term, respect. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the way I view it is I understand that in societies, there's always going to be two sides of understanding. Even when it comes to policies, like there are people that are going to agree to it. There are people that are not going to agree to it. But we also have to remember that the only way to exist is to coexist, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we want to tell them that, hey, We do not agree with you, but we are willing to sit down, have a conversation, trying to understand that despite the fact that we do not have the same views on ideas, we still want to work together to make this place a better place for not only us, but the upcoming generations and so forth, right? So we also have to take that into consideration when we're looking at polarized ideologies and Mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah, absolutely. On the point of polarization, so obviously here there's a really strong polarization between the left and the right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I know that your experience in East Africa might have been or was somewhat different. So do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So back like, back in East Africa, I grew up in the reason why I say East Africa is because I was born in one country. I lived in two different countries, but the all they're all in East Africa. And I've had the chance to understand how politics works in the region and a lot of the times you see politicians are campaigning on the basis of their tribal like values and morals to get people. And the reason why is because a lot of the people there are not educated enough to understand how politics works, right? So they would side with a person who is more likely to come from somewhere they're from. Whereas here, you look at values, you look at interests and uh, such things, right? You, you look at history as well and how politics has played out throughout the years. And when I first, when I came here, it was a little bit different understanding politics. As, as a political studies student, my first year, I was like, okay, what is this political spectrum where somebody's a far right and the other person is a far left or somebody's in the center? And when I looked at it, I understood that it's not about you as a person or maybe like your background or whatever, it's more about what you believe in, right? Mm-hmm. What you value and what part do you play in society? So for me, I immediately, after I understood that, I knew I was left because that's <laughs> what I value. I value human rights. I value... as, a, as Being a, progressive, being adaptable. Progress- exactly, all this thing. to tradition. Yeah, and one thing that really... Sifts me off is when somebody says I'm a fiscal conservative, <laughs> which is so ridiculous because I'm like, do you even understand what that means? Like, <laughs> I'm living. Please go yeah. off. 
go yeah off. like i i really don't understand i'm like when you say that like are you a conservative or not my mom i tried to uh, explain to her how politics works here and she said that she sees herself herself as a conservative but not in the sense that she kind of aligns with their like their ideologies but in the sense that she thinks that leaders should kind of have like a a say in how people should live in society and uh, to me i was like okay that doesn't make sense because everybody has the right to do whatever they want right everybody mm-hmm. should have the right to do they want but at the same time she's like yeah if everybody has the right to do whatever they want then there's some people that are going to be oppressed because of the idea of freedom right yeah yeah so hierarchies arise exactly and i and i did understand her perspective but at the same time i was just like you need to come and live here to understand what i mean no kidding <laughs> you need to understand how politics plays part in like everyday life things that like systematic racism comes into play when it comes to politics you know institution exactly racism. like things like that and yeah so i feel like it's so polarized here it it's is so, so remarkably polarized yes. like there's you know in psychology they'll do studies on like the effects it has on somebody's personality exactly. like if they like tradition versus you know coming up with a different holiday every year or something like that mm. like just the fact that they like changing things up every year mm-hmm. is more linked to left Exactly. left wingers yeah and then with right wingers you know it's the same every year you know yeah they, you know maintaining the status quo but again if the status quo isn't working for every group in society then why would you maintain it why would mm-hmm. why wouldn't you want to change it so that everybody could benefit from it right mm-hmm. yeah. and i'm really curious about like so all these different political groups that you're sort of describing in east africa so yeah if not these values that we know, you know, the right wing and the left wing. So what sort of stuff do you see coming out as values more often? But like, like what in, are some in East Africa? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, a lot of the time, first of all, corruption plays a really big part in in, in politics in East Africa. Right? Oh. Like it, it is so embedded into politics that not only politics, but like everything in society that you cannot function without, you know, like bribing somebody like i i just want a certificate for something i did i earned but i can't get it because i have to pay somebody right Mm -hmm. so there's always all these things like that play part in societies and a lot of people don't understand it like they don't understand Mm. the values of democracy and i understand why they don't because they're not educated there's no they, they don't have a you know the the chance to be educated because schools there the kind of like stigmatize the idea of going into a public school because the education is so bad that you don't want your children to go to public schools. And when you go to international schools or private schools, you're not taught about your country. You're taught about all these other Western countries. Right. So, yeah. And I had a conversation with my professor the other day. He was asking me, like, how is indigenous history taught in Africa? And I told him, I really don't know because I didn't get a chance to learn that. I can tell you about First World War, I can tell you about <laughs> the Holocaust, but I do not know my history because I was never taught that, right? Wow. Yeah, so like a lot of those things play into how people understand how society works, right? Right. So yeah. That actually, considering that that is a political system that you have been faced with, that even enlightens me a little bit more into this discussion that you said you were having with your professor where you were talking about whether or not we should educate people who don't know about oppression. Yes. 
Yeah, like he kind of went on a rant to say that I think he was in his office and then two students were talking about how in China treats their indigenous people better than Canada and he was like, "Wow, do you like do you know what China did to their indigenous people? Do you know the history of indigenous history in China and the Asian regions?" So for what he said was he was like, "Should I take the you know the burden to educate the students and tell them exactly what happened or should i just you know tell them to go google it or find out by themselves right and so because of that we started a conversation about how do you react to such things do you just mm-hmm. let it be let them go with whatever they they want to understand whatever they want to know or do you come and educate them and try to make them understand that hey you're misinformed because of this and that and that and sometimes you do have to take that responsibility to tell somebody that hey what you're saying is wrong because of so and so right not because they don't want to or because you feel like you have the responsibility to but because you might be the only person that is available for them to you know have the chance to be educated so whenever somebody you hear somebody say something ridiculous don't feel like You know what? It's ridiculous. It's not my responsibility to correct them because it is your responsibility, you know. Mm-hmm. As a person who's who feels like you're marginalized, you're, you know, things don't work out your way, maybe you should tell them, "Hey, what you're saying is wrong because, mm-hmm. you know, call it out. Call it out." Yeah. yeah. And you don't have to go into details and all that. Like like you mentioned, sometimes people are just doing it because Yeah. Yeah, like where I'm coming from on it, like it's it's a balance between you know how much of your own emotional energies can you expend versus mm-hmm. how much can i actually educate this person so I, i'm yeah. so glad that you brought this up you're absolutely right like if a person is willing to listen especially if it's a friend w- of ours and yeah. you know they're actually like trying to understand absolutely we should educate them mm-hmm. and then i guess it's just a matter of do we think that we're going to get anywhere with this person exactly. i think yeah. because if you see something like that meme with like that white guy who sat his butt down at a table and was like male privilege doesn't exist prove me wrong and it's like, <laughs> if you can't see why what you're doing is male privilege then i probably can't help you bud and if you're yeah. just like committed like if you're literally committed to not understanding then you're definitely yes. not going to get anywhere with that person exactly. but if they are you know possibly open to hearing it mm-hmm. absolutely yeah if they're willing to have a conversation then go for it mm-hmm. yeah yeah i'm going to talk about my coworker again cuz like it's pretty obvious that they're far right right like it's yes. it's yeah. impossible to actually explain to them that hey yeah like these things actually affect me and kill people mm-hmm. so maybe don't support regimes that like are going to kill people more and for them to be like hmm sometimes i feel attacked and sometimes i feel like i'm paying for crimes that i didn't commit blah 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 you know what that is called white guilt <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and white fragility so yes. <laughs> for me to engage in that is a waste of my time and that's why i said to them go ask a white person who doesn't think it's okay and mm-hmm. ask them cuz usually they don't spend their time thinking about these things they don't have to spend their time because it doesn't affect them so i also have the same point of view as your professor that if you are capacitated to educate then yeah i feel like you do have an obligation to mm-hmm. mostly because civil discourse is one of the only ways where we're going to get somewhere yeah to 
a common ground that actually has value as opposed to just, you know. Being a centrist. Being a centrist. (laughs) 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 Sorry to all our centrist listeners. JK, we have none. But but yeah, I, I, I do feel like we have an obligation to do that if we're able to, of course. But then again, it's just taking away so much of our time, occupying just space in our busy schedules. Mm -hmm. Like, if you want to buy me coffee and, like, I don't know, just talk about stupid shows like Keeping Up With The Kardashians or something, yeah, totally, please, I need some mindless entertainment in my politicized life. But, like, if you're going to be like, hey, let's go for coffee, but... I I need you to prove me why your life matters. Yeah, I'm going (laughs) to. But the entire time, I'm just going to white explain to you why you are wrong about your own oppression. (laughs) Like, chances are I'm probably not emotionally, mentally and physically capacitated to do that. Because why are you wasting my time? (laughs) Go talk to another white person who probably is indoctrinated with the same ideologies as I am. Yeah. Because chances are. They probably don't have to go through the same things that I as I do. Big freaking surprise. And they have the time. Don't waste my time. Because I can't. I can't. From my busy life, I cannot spend time explaining to you why you should be helping me live a better life. Because you already live the life that I want to live. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to stop being petty now. But... <laughs> Not even a little bit petty. Let's just make that real clear. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, and a lot of the times, this like these people do not understand like the concept of empathizing. You don't. We 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 don't want you to. You know, just like feel bad, b- but not in the sense that oh my god, I feel guilty that these people are going through it. But how do you? change that Mm -hmm. like even just like educating your own people like that's the thing about white privilege that from my understanding is you can use it to the advantage of you know like people of color Mm -hmm. just educate your own people like tell them hey these people go through these things and you don't have to go through it to understand you just have to like listen to them and you know understand how the system works and from there you can make a a change yeah absolutely and that's the thing about like left wing too right like we don't condone things like white guilt we don't because white guilt is not okay either Mm -hmm. no one should be feeling guilty for something that their ancestors did that's not what we're asking we're not saying that okay educate yourself and learn my oppression learn this learn that And then feel guilty about it and then give up your rights only to have a better sustaining life for me. That's not what we're saying at all. But somehow, through even civil discourse, it gets translated that way. And I don't understand how it does. And when you you are upset about what your ancestors did and you feel guilty about it, that's not okay either. You shouldn't be subjecting yourself to that kind of emotional and mental trauma. We're not asking for that. We're not saying that that's what you should be actively doing. All we're saying is that be allies. Exactly. Understand oppression. Listen. Listen. Listen to POCs. That's Listen. all that the left-wingers are saying. Everything is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that is all the time that we have today. So in summary, be conscientious 
be respectful, but always remember to hold the oppressor accountable because they need to be conscientious and respectful as well. Not absolutely. Just, yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you so much for joining us today, Salima. Thank you for having she me. My boo thing. I love this. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad, glad I'm so you happy. guys have you guys have a show like so awesome. We're so happy to have you here. Yeah. Welcome back anytime. Thank you. Um, catch us on Instagram, wake the F up, UMFM all lowercase. Thanks, Cran. Thanks, Salima. Thank you. Thank you, Christina. Then the rain dries.